All right, good morning, church family. My name is Derek, and as you just saw in that video, we are starting a new teaching series this morning. Uh, we get together every Sunday. We open God's Word together. This Sunday is no exception. We're starting a new teaching series, uh, as you can see, called Crazy Busy. And uh, it occurs to me, though I hope it's not true, that perhaps some of you might be having this sinister thought scroll through your mind, and you might be looking up here, and you might be thinking something along the lines of, Pastor Derek, what do you, you're a pastor. What do you know about being crazy busy? You only work on Sunday, right? <laughs> what do you do the rest of the week, Pastor Derek? Well, let me tell you. I would like to tell you. And I'm, and I'm not going to tell you because I feel like I need to defend myself although that might be a good fringe benefit. I don't need to defend myself, but I want us to relate here. I want us to, I want, I want us to think about the way my life r runs lately and what, what, how full my life is. And as I talk about a little bit of that, I want you to think about which parts of that do you relate to and what's similar about that and what's different for you and what makes your life uh, crazy busy because we're going um, to need to reflect on that today. So first and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus and I strive with God's help to daily listen to him, obey him, follow him. Uh, secondly, I'm married to Amy. Uh, this summer will be 20 years, which is exciting times. And I uh, love her tons and tons, more and more. And enjoy, still enjoy spending as much time as possible with her. Still do our best to, uh, you know, add to our busy lives, uh, dates, etc. And so that's important. Uh, Amy and I have four kids. Um, in fact, we're celebrating one birthday today. Happy birthday, Trevor. Pretty good job. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll celebrate another birthday, and that will give uh, us, out of our four kids, three will be teenagers coming up here soon. So exciting times in the, uh, in the Olson family. And uh, with four kids, you, many of you understand the, uh, the full uh, schedules that come with school and homework and activities and hobbies and sports and mom and dad serving as the taxi company. Yes? Anybody know that about that? And uh, so that's exciting. Uh, and of course, I have the privilege of serving and the responsibility of serving here as lead pastor. And, and it's, a, it's an awesome privilege and an exciting time because God is at work in our church family. And there's so much going on that's exciting and that's, uh, that it's from him. Uh, our church family has the, has the responsibility, privilege of, of ministering to, caring for a few hundred people that come and go and call Faith Church home. And so we have multiple staff people, we have a great uh, leadership team, our elders, my weeks, uh, my typical week involves usually meeting with a few or all of the elders, my typical week involves meeting with a few or all of the staff team. Uh, and uh, speaking of the staff, I want to interrupt myself, give a quick update. We are in the exciting process of looking for God's next person to serve as our pastor of student ministries. So I would invite you to continue to pray with us for God to lead us to the next person that will be our youth pastor for our junior high and high school students. And you'll see in your bulletin that we're going to be forming a search team soon. That's going to be another thing that will be on my plate is leading that search team. If you're interested in participating, you can read about that in the bulletin. Uh, but uh, that will be happening in right now. The, the, the job description has already gone public and we've already begun to receive interest from, from potential candidates. So pray for God to lead us in that process. Uh, the Faith Church Ministry also includes the Ministry of Faith Christian School, you may not be aware. My children attend school here as well as 175, 180 other students preschool through 8th grade. 
another way that God is working through our church uh, into our community to share the gospel of Jesus near and far. So that's an exciting thing that I try to be a support and encouragement to Faith Christian School as I'm able. And I'm going to interrupt myself again right there because there's another good opportunity to update you. Um, last night's annual fundraising auction um, was a, a great success. And, and once again, I know you'll want to celebrate this with me. Once again, God showed his kindness to us, his generosity to us through so many of you and many others that contributed uh, to this fundraiser that makes uh, our school fun and provides activities and scholarships and needed things for our school. God's generosity to us through you and many others to the tune of almost $70,000. So thank you. That is worth celebrating and thanking God for. And thanks to all the people that work hard behind the scenes to make that pull off a great event and, and to serve our school in so many ways. Most of my months, since you look at my calendar, most of my months include three different meetings with three different groups of pastors for the point, purpose of prayer and encouragement and sharing ideas. Um, most of my weeks involve multiple meetings with many of you for prayer and counsel and encouragement. Uh, most of the time when I'm, most of the weeks that I'm going to be up here teaching from God's word, that means that those weeks involve 15, 20, 20 plus hours a week in studying and preparation to teach God's word. So that's a big part of, of, of my role. Most of my uh, weeks involve connecting with our, our gospel community in some form or fashion, our, our group of small, our small group of people that we know and know us. So whether we're meeting as a big group or whether I'm meeting with just some of the men, that's a priority for me. And I haven't even yet mentioned chores and household responsibilities, right, and other things that come up and, and uh, keeping up with emails and texting friends and family back and things that need repair and, oh, I need to buy something new, so i got to research that and figure out what we're going to do and where we're going to come up with money and where we're going to buy it. And then there's social media, and then I like to read books, and then I also watch some Giants games when I get a chance. Four months of the year, I spend a lot of hours coaching basketball. Right now, I'm giving driving lessons. Yesterday was my day off. I left the house at 7.30. I was in and out all day with lots of fun, good things, but really busy and not back till 9.30 p.m. And we had a birthday party this morning before I came to church at 7.30 a.m. For those reasons, I feel completely qualified to talk to you about being crazy busy. And for those same reasons, I feel completely unqualified to talk to you about navigating crazy busy lives. How do we follow Jesus? How do we honor him and in the midst of our full schedule? So uh, it's not just me that's crazy busy, though, is it? And if you relate to some of that, did I get you thinking about the way your schedule overruns and what God has put on your plate and and what your uh, crazy busyness looks like. Well, Pastor Matt's going to come up here and help me with something. I want you to, we want to ask you some questions. Uh, Pastor Matt's going to come up and he's going to use a resource from a guy, uh, from a book by Tim Chester. And in this book, the author is asking a series of questions that we're going to ask you. And it's kind of a diagnostic tool. The questions that he poses to you, I want you to think through. He's going to pose the question. I'm going to blurt out the answer that we all probably really mean and truthfully think, but then we want to leave the question on the screen for a few seconds, and I want you to think of how you'd wish you would answer, or what your preferred answer would be, and we're going to use these questions to diagnose what the author calls uh, our hurry sickness, our hurry illness in our lives, so go for it. 
All right, Pastor Derek, do you regularly work longer hours each day or week than you're contracted to? Obviously. I have a lot of work to do, so I work a lot. Yeah. Is that what comes out of your mouth when you answer that question? And how would you prefer to answer? Do you check work emails and phone messages at home? Well, isn't that pretty much necessary in 2019? Isn't it pretty much mandatory that we're available to each other 24-7, 365, and we give each other instant answers to every possible question? Sure. <laughs> what about you? When you look at that question, take a few seconds, and let's let God diagnose our hurry sickness. Has anyone ever said to you, I don't want to trouble you because I know how busy you are? Uh, yeah, and I'm glad they have the decency to respect my time. I work with him. <laughs> so It's a great experience, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> what about you, as you look at that question? Do your friends and family complain about not getting enough time with you? Well, I mean complain. I don't know if they complain per se. I just think they're still learning that quality time is more important than quantity time. Sure. Right, obviously, right? Isn't yeah. that a good rule of thumb? One of those love language things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do your friends and family get enough time with you? So, miraculously, if tomorrow evening was unexpectedly freed up, would you use it to do a household chore or work? Of course. I mean, what else would I do? Are you going to come over and do my chore for me? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you often feel tired during the day, or do you find your neck and shoulders hurting? Iced coffee, vitamin C, ibuprofen, no problem. There we go. Yeah. That's the cure? No, no. Okay, be honest. Do you often exceed the speed limit while driving? It depends on whether or not I'm trying to eat fries at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> what about you and the speed limit? Where are you in a hurry to go? Okay, here's a pretty important one. Uh, do you have enough time to pray? Well, I'm more of a, a pray continually kind of guy. Sure. I, I'm always in communion with God. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a hobby in which you are actively involved in? Uh, does this count? Instagram. No, it does not. Oh. Okay, you mean hobbies could be a good thing, that I should have something else to do with my time? Oh, yes. Okay. And last one. Pretty important one. Do you eat together as a family or household at least once a day? Well, I mean, I'm sure if, if one person's eating, there's probably at least one other person in the house. There are six of you. Is so that close the enough? the chance is pretty good. Close enough? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Hopefully those questions are helpful for you in diagnosing how ill we are with hurry sickness. And actually, uh, that last one, it's, it's fun to be able to say, has been a, a pretty good priority. And we're able to do that much more often than we are not able to do that. And so 
Uh, that's one of those things where I could answer that question in the, in the positive. But it's not just us. That's cra- it's not just my family that's crazy busy, is it? All of you, uh, your details of your life, the, the things that you're busy with may vary, may look differently than mine, but we're all facing busyness. We all have similar uh, pressures. And, and so, therefore, you too are qualified and simultaneously unqualified when it comes to this topic, right? We understand what it is to be crazy busy. Are we qualified? Do we know how God wants us to navigate it? That's what we want to ask him uh, today and in the coming few weeks uh, in this teaching series. And we just want to start out by giving credit where credit is due. Uh, There's a great book by Pastor Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy. And um, this is a book that uh, has been a great resource for uh, for us as we've planned this next few weeks, this series. So um, we've been able to take inspiration from here, ideas, a kind of an outline of the topics that we're going to cover the next few weeks. But of course, as always, and most importantly, when we gather together to worship together on Sunday mornings, we are going to every Sunday look to God's word for his counsel as well. That's, the, the, that's at the heart of what we're going to do each Sunday. So grab your Bible and open, if you would, to Luke chapter 10. Love it when you bring your Bibles with you. P- open the Bible app on your device. Pull out your paper Bible, whichever one. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, if you don't have access to a Bible, we'd love you to ask in the lobby at the Connection Center. and We'd love to give you a Bible if that's helpful. Uh, we try to project some things up on the screen behind me, but we don't always put everything that I'm reading from the Word, from God's Word, and we want you to have your finger in the text and learn from God. So turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We'll start at verse 38 in just a moment. Father God, we look to you and we need to hear from you. We do need to pause in the midst of our busy lives. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. By the power of your spirit, would you impress upon our hearts what we need to consider, perhaps what we need to change, how we can navigate our crazy busyness Uh, following you. So Lord, as the psalmist writes in the Bible, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O my rock and my redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you were with us last Sunday, Easter Sunday, we studied the the true story of, of a resurrection. And it wasn't necessarily the resurrection that you came expecting to talk about. Of course, we celebrated that Jesus is alive, that Jesus raised from the dead. But last Sunday, if you were with us, we actually also considered the story of a family, Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. And we last week reflected on the fact that Lazarus, this human, was also sick, died, and was raised to new life. Um, by the resurrection power of Jesus. And so now this morning in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38, we're going to get another glimpse of this family, and we're going to see Mary and Martha yet again. Read with me Luke 10, verse 38 and following. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to Jesus' teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. So Martha was busy. She had things to do. And someone had to be responsible, right? Anybody relate to that? 
There's things to be done. Someone needs to be responsible. And I, and I, I do want to start, when we think about this series, and when you think about this topic, I do think it's important to start here. Perhaps you heard about this topic and thought, oh, crazy busy, great, let's go. That's something I need to talk about. And perhaps we wish that we would come and we would find some kind of solution. Okay, I'm ready. I'm crazy busy. Derek's got the answer. There's going to be a solution to my crazy busyness. Sorry. Probably not quite that easy. If you would have preferred to come this morning and hear Derek's three easy steps to being uncrazy busy, I wish I could help you. But that's not what we're going to do. And I think if, if, when we think practically, when we hear this topic, we might have wished that I was going to teach time management techniques. You know, hey, your life is out of control. Let me tell you how to shape it up. Let me, know how to, let me tell you how to manage your time. That's not what we need. That, that, those things might help you, but that's not what we come together for today. And, and here's a good place, another good place to start as we start this series. We live in a busy world. This might just be, there's a sense in which this is the way it is, right? This is the water we swim in. There isn't necessarily a solution to just make it all go away. There isn't necessarily three easy steps to not being crazy busy. We live in a busy world. Our culture is busy. Our, our self-drive our self and our responsibilities and the things that God has put in our life and lap and on our plate make us busy. We live in a busy world. And, and, and busyness may just be the way it is, the water we swim in. But busyness isn't necessarily always bad. And, get the, and, and what if this? What if some of our busyness, what if some of the things that are on our plate are actually from God. What if busyness isn't all bad? What if some of it is what God has for us? Our Lord, the Son of God himself, came and ministered among us, and Jesus said about himself, I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came to serve, and so as followers of Jesus, we are to and when Jesus came to serve, he served to the point of giving his life to suffering unto death. And so guess what, followers of Jesus? As followers of Jesus, you too are to serve, and sometimes it will include suffering. One reason I think we resist being busy, one, one reason we don't like when life feels crazy busy, is because we haven't come to grips with the fact that perhaps some of our busyness is, is part of journeying with Jesus. One reason we don't like busyness is because we don't expect to struggle. But Jesus came to serve and suffer. We are here to come and serve. And so to serve is to suffer. What? You mean following Jesus might include some pain and some difficulty and some busyness? Yes. And we simply just haven't always thought of the fact that this could be part of what God has in mind for us. Martha had work to do, right, in our passage? Martha had work to do. And let's get this straight about work. Let's get, this is important. Let's get this straight about work. I think we often think of our work, our jobs, whether it's paid or not. All of you have work that's in front of you. Jobs, unpaid or not, responsibilities, roles you play, etc. Everybody with me? And I think sometimes we think of work as a punishment. We think of work as something that came after sin entered the world. And everything's broken and messed up and now we have to work. No. Before sin entered the world, before everything was broken, God ordained work when he gave Adam and Eve to take care of the garden. 
work is God-ordained. Is, is hospitality, hosting others and having people in your home and serving and giving of your time, is hospitality a biblical value? Yeah. Does God sh- smile upon marriage? Yes. And, and it's work and joy and blessing and work. And is, is parenting important? Parenting is important, not necessarily easy all the time, but important. Is serving at church critical? Yes, let me answer you. Church family, serving our church family is is critical. Our ministry to a few hundred people that come and go from this church is not possible without you participating. We fall short. We have gaps. The staff, the elders are are diligent and devoted and, and awesome volunteers can't carry it all alone. Our church family needs to serve and find your part in what God is doing here. And so, these are all good things, right? Those are all good things that God calls us to that are included in our life. And these are good things that take time and energy and even sometimes cause suffering. So, when she's busy and has good work to do and needs to be hospitable, is, is Martha the villain of the story? Martha has a lot of work to do. Is she the villain of the story? No, she's not. I want to read a, I want to read a little bit from, from Crazy Busy because Kevin writes it better than I could say it. Besides, Martha was doing important things. It's not like she was glued to her phone watching kittens breakdance. She was serving, just as the Bible says. We need Marthas. We need servants. We need people who love to work hard. Someone has to do the dishes. Faith Church, does this sound familiar? Someone has to stack the chairs. (laughs) And oh, by the way, thanks for sticking around after worship each week. And many hands make light work. And if we all stack five chairs and leave it where you are, and if a bunch of us stick around and use the carts to move the chairs to the back of the room, it all goes so much more smoothly. Oh, wait, Kevin didn't write that. My bad. Someone has to do the dishes, someone has to stack the chairs, someone has to set the table and preheat the oven so that the Marys of the world can have their spiritual epiphanies. So Martha's not the villain. Verse, let's go back to our, our text. Keep your finger in the Bible. Back to verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. And look at Jesus' answer in verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about what? Many things. Do any of you have many things on your mind? I think that sounds like her crazy busyness. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. So yes, I think as we start today and as we continue this series in the next few weeks, yes, I think we're going to find that busyness is a fact of life, that this is the the, the water we swim in, so to speak. There's ways in which there's not going to be a lot we can do about busyness. It's the world we live in. But... And, and we're going to find that it's not all bad. That, that there are things that are on our plate and responsibilities that we have are God-given and that we need to follow through on even to the point of being willing to serve and suffer. That said, we just read this about Martha. Jesus says that some of Martha's busyness is making her anxious and troubled. 
So there are some dangers to busyness. And we want to ask, we want to we consider three of those this morning. There are dangers to being crazy busy. The first ones that come to our mind, when we think of being busy and we think of dangers, I think maybe what first comes to mind is some of the physical dangers, the physical results of being busy, you know, stress and fatigue and emotional and mental wear and tear. And those are important and we shouldn't just ignore those. But, there are, but we're going to look right now at three dangers of being busy that, that are much deeper than that, that are they're much more important to consider than that, because beyond being a physical danger of being busy, these three that we're about to highlight are spiritual dangers. These are dangers of busyness that put our souls at risk. Number one, busyness can ruin our joy. Throughout scriptures, we see that joy is, is, the, is a mark of a Christian. Followers of Jesus have joy. And not perfectly, but followers of Jesus are growing in joy. Even as life circumstances go like this on a roller coaster, Christians can find joy. E- even through the ups and downs and pains and suffering, people that are growing in Christ are increasing in joy. And busyness attacks joy. So we need to fight for joy by getting rid of unnecessary busyness. We need to fight for joy and fight for what God has for us by getting rid of unnecessary busyness. Have you heard the term, we need to create margin in our life? Have you heard that? Margin is a term that refers to the the difference between our load, what's on our plate, so to speak, our responsibilities, what's the difference, what's the space between our load and our limits? What's the, do we have any margin? Do we have any space between what's on our plate and the max we can handle? I was, I was picturing this week an actual plate, you know, it's in, our, it's in our cabinet. I don't know what your plates look like, but somehow, you know how some plates have that inner circle where all the food goes, and then there's like that lip around the edge? You know what I'm talking about? That's the margin. But if we add food and add food and add food, where does the margin go? It disappears. The food's overflowing the plate, falling off. If we add marbles to a plate, they're going to hold nicely in the the center area until we add too many and the margin's gone. We need to to fight for joy by getting rid of unnecessary busyness. Busyness. Kill it or it will kill you. Number two. Busyness can rob our hearts. This verse on the screen from Mark chapter 4 is from a parable, a story that Jesus told about the sower and the seeds. In, in, this, in this story that Jesus told, he's comparing seeds that a farmer is spreading. He's comparing these seeds to the word of God, to God's teaching. And this parable is about how the word of God is received. And, 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 it, and this parable teaches that some people receive God's word, some people hear it, and some people can't or don't. Busyness can rob our hearts. And so look what, in the midst of that parable, look what it says there in the Bible. That the, that the cares of the world, and then if you go down to the end, kind of choke out the word. Think about the, the cares of the world. What, what are your kind of burdens, cares of this world? What, are, what is the world putting on you? And, and, and how might that choke out our ability to hear from God? And then the the verse on the screen talks about the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, for other stuff, for possessions. 
And listen to this. This is something I got as I studied this week. I thought this was a really interesting point. Being rich is not the problem. Having a lot of stuff is not in and of itself the problem. But, but don't we relate to this? Isn't it true that the more stuff we have, the more time it takes to keep up with it all? The more upkeep? Even things that are good, right? Even things that are okay and good and that you're allowed to spend your time on, hobbies and your extra tools and your extra craft supplies and your extra vehicle in the garage and your, and your recreational vehicle and your extra vacation home. And these are okay things to have. And being rich and having material possessions is not the problem in and of itself. But don't all those things take time and upkeep? And so the Bible warns us that the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things choke out the word, choke out, they have the potential, if we're not careful, of choking out our ability to hear from God. Busyness can rob our hearts. And the third one is one that's kind of close to my heart because it's something I've experienced as I've followed Jesus. Number three, busyness can cover up the rot in our hearts. Here's what I mean. We use busyness to hide the stuff in here that needs attention. I'm messed up. I go against God. I sin. I make mistakes. I hurt people. I've been hurt in the past. And that stuff has its effect. And there's stuff in my heart that needs to be worked out. I need to be in relationship with other Christians where I can confess my sins and pray for others and reveal myself to God. And those things, that, those things don't happen when we hide it by being busy. Oh, I'm too busy. I got to go over here now. What? You want to look in here? Nah, no thanks. I'm too busy. Busyness can cover up the rot in our hearts. Busyness does not mean you are a faithful or fruitful Christian. It only means you're busy, just like everyone else. And like everyone else, your joy, your heart, and your soul are in danger. We need the word of God to set us free. We need biblical wisdom to set us straight. What we need is the great physician to heal our overscheduled souls. And then he writes, if only we could make time to make an appointment. We need the great physician to heal our overscheduled souls. If only we could make time for an appointment. Look back in God's word with me. Verse 39. Let's go back a minute to verse 39. And, she, and Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Where is Mary? You guys are killing me. I love you. But hang out with me if you would. I worked hard at this. I think God might have something to say if we engage with it, okay? Where is Mary? She's in the posture of a disciple. She's at the feet of Jesus. She has put herself where learners go, where followers of Jesus go, where disciples go. They go to Jesus. They sit at his feet. They learn from him and learn to obey him. And you know what else is really important to point out about Mary here? The Bible, I think, gets a bad rap. Jesus gets a bad rap. And the New Testament authors get a bad rap that the Bible, that Jesus is somehow anti-women. It's wrong. 
If you hear that in our culture, if you hear people trying to say that the New Testament is old-fashioned and only men are valued and women have no place, it's garbage. Because who is sitting at Jesus' feet? Mary. And this was very countercultural. Women did not have a place in the educational system. Women were not encouraged to be disciples. And Jesus says, yes, I, will t- I want you to learn from God. That's important. Don't miss that. Verse 41. But the Lord, okay, so where were we? Yeah, verse, verse 40. You know, Jesus says, I'm trying to look back at 40. Good grief, where's my 40? So Martha comes to Jesus and says, hey, don't you care? The Lord says in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about how much? Many things. You are troubled about what? Many things. But look what Jesus continues. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Friends, this is what we need to look at this morning. What is the one thing we must do? If life is busy, this is the world we live in. This is, this is the way things are. We are going to be busy, and yet we know there are some dangers to being busyness, to being busy. So, so how do we live then? Busyness isn't all bad. Busyness in and of itself is not the problem. But what if we are busy with the wrong things? What if we are busy with the wrong things? What is the one thing we must do? What is the one thing that Mary is doing that Jesus praises? What is the good portion that Mary chose? And what is the good portion that you and I can choose too? Look with me on the screen at Psalm 24, 27. One thing. There's our one thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and this I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. One more Psalm 73 on the screen. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and what? My portion. Jesus just said, Jesus just said that Mary had chosen the good portion. And here's the psalmist encouraging us to think and act and live this way. That my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Martha, Martha. Faith church, faith church. You are busy with many things. But one thing is necessary. And that one thing, friends, is connecting with God, following Jesus, sitting at his feet, finding life now and life eternal with Jesus. Mary has chosen the good portion. And, you know, when Jesus says that, I kind of, I maybe I'm, I'm not allowed to change Jesus' words, but, you know, bear with me here for a second. I feel like when he says Mary chooses the good portion, what he's saying is there's, there's good, better, and best in life. It's not that all the other things that you're busy with are wrong or bad. There's other things that you can be doing and other ways you can spend your time. But Jesus is kind of saying there's good, better, and best. And Mary has chosen best. She has chosen to sit at Jesus' feet. We have to believe that hearing from God is our good portion. Think about this with me. 
Do we believe that, that hearing from God is our good portion? Do we believe that the most significant opportunity in front of us each day is sitting at the feet of Jesus? Because if we don't, we won't rearrange our priorities. If we don't think that, that the one thing, that the good portion, the best portion is connecting with God, then our crazy busyness just continues. So why would we make God our one thing? Why would we make God the one in our life? I hope it's because you know you can't do it on your own. I hope that God will show you, if he hasn't already shown you, that you can't get yourself forgiven, that you can't save yourself, that you can't make your broken world right, that you can't make your broken heart right, that we are deserving of sin and death and separation from God. But it's not about what we do. It's not about our performance. You and I continue to try to match up. We try to fix the problem ourselves. We know things are broken. We know we're not right with God. And yet we all try self-improvement. We try to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. If only I can be a good person. If I go to church often enough, maybe if I read my Bible, maybe then God will like me. But it's not about our performance. It's not about checklist religion. It's not about our own efforts. It's not about what you or I do. It's what Jesus has already done. The good news that we proclaim at Faith Church, Faith Church exists for the gospel. The good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus lived the life without sin that you and I cannot. He died the death that you and I deserve. He was raised again to new life, showing that we too can find new life and be connected with God. Our God is a great God who has created all things, and friends, he created you. And he created you to be in relationship with him, but we screw it up with our sin and with our rebellion. And I choose my own way, and I go against him, and I do things I don't want to do, and I don't do things I'm supposed to do. That's the way we roll as human beings. But the good news that we proclaim is that God rescues sinners through Jesus. That he wants to be in relationship with you, God does, that we broke that relationship. And then instead of writing us off, instead of going off into the universe to find other things to do, God said, you know what? I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to send my son. He's going to live. He's going to die. He's going to be raised again so that they too can find life. That's why I think God is worth making our one thing. That's why he is the best portion. It's because it's not about what you and I do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And it's because we can't save ourselves with our own efforts. It's a fact that God loves you and wants to rescue you and transform you from the inside out through Jesus. So how do we know Jesus more then? If you want him to be your good portion, if you want connecting with God to be the one thing, how do we walk with Jesus? So I want to end this morning in a really practical way. We want to talk about um, something called spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines is just a term for Christian tools, these, these tools, these avenues that will help us connect with God. I'm going to suggest something today, and I'm going to suggest things in each of the following weeks that are spiritual disciplines, that are something you can commit to, something that you can try to help you learn more about what it means to follow Jesus, to learn more who he is, and to learn how to obey him. But here's where we got to be careful. Don't turn this into religion. 
The spiritual disciplines are supposed to, are, are to be helpful tools. But you're not saved by things you do. Are we, are we straight on that? You are saved by Jesus. God's gift of salvation is offered to you through Christ, and all we do to receive God's free gift of salvation is, is trust in Jesus. Because we can't do it, because we can't rescue ourselves. Jesus, I believe you are God, that you died for me. Help me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, would you entrust yourself to Jesus today? That is how you find forgiveness and life and salvation. But these spiritual disciplines that I'm going to encourage us to consider, we've got to be careful not to turn them into religion. If I'm going to recommend that you read your Bible or pray or go to church or be with other Christians, we've got to be careful and not turn that into a checklist and go, church, done that, maybe God's happy with me now. You know, read my Bible today, check, maybe God will rescue me now. That's not the way it is. But these spiritual disciplines are still something that we as Christians can do um, to sit at Jesus' feet. Look at on the screen at Psalm 119. It says, the Lord is my portion. So what do I do? I promise to keep your words. So the one we're going to talk about today is spending time studying God's word. Spending time reading and studying God's word, the Bible. It says there, the Lord is my portion. So I promise to keep your words. And we're not going to know God's words unless we study God's words. And I'm not talking about come to church and listen to Derek tell you about his words. I'm talking about you, follower of Jesus, who is a spirit-empowered minister of the gospel. You yourself can be in God's word and hear from him and grow in him. So that's the spiritual discipline I'm encouraging us toward today is to add Bible reading to your life. If it's already there, keep growing, keep adding. If it's not there... How often can you add this to your life? Daily would be great, but daily is not necessary. How can we add more studying the Bible to our lives? I love a tool called YouVersion. This is an app on your phones. You can look on the app store. There's a lot of other good tools. There's books out there that can teach you how to read the Bible, where to read in the Bible, what it means. There's lots of resources. You've got people you can ask about their favorite app, but this is just one I use. It's on my phone. It helps me organize what I'm going to read each day. It helps me make progress in reading through the Bible in an organized fashion. Um, it yells at me when I don't. Nope, just kidding. I always like to throw that in there, though. If you miss a day, it's okay. Because I think if we're not careful, we go, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible this year. I read it three days in a row. Oops, I missed the day. Ah, I give up. I'm a terrible person. I'll never read the Bible, so I just stop. No, you miss a day. No big deal. Guess what? Read the next day. I just encourage you to be in God's word. And, and, uh, and then begin learning how, it, how it's going to uh, change your life. I, uh, on, on, the, on that Bible app, one of the Bible reading plans I love is, um, is the chronological reading plan. Because if you're not aware, the Bible, as you, as you have it in your lap, the order of the books of the Bible are not in the order they happened. And so it really helps me to read a Bible reading plan that's chronological, that tells me the events in the order they happened. And it's one way that I've gotten a better idea of the big, big picture of God's story. So that's one option. But there's lots of other reading plans in there. Some of them are short, some of them are long. And it's just a way that you might be able to add some Bible reading to your life. What if? What could happen for you? What could happen in your life? This is where I want to end. What could happen if you made it your one firm, resolute goal to spend time every day in the word of God and prayer. How would life change? How might God want to work? 
How might spending time with him each day overflow into, into areas you'd be surprised? What could happen if you made it your one firm, resolute goal to spend time every day in the word of God and prayer? But you won't spend time in the Bible unless God convinces you that he is the best portion. If, you, if your heart desires to sit at the feet of Jesus, if you know you are saved by God, if you know that you have other things in your life, but they're not as important, then you're going to grow in spending time in God's word. We have to believe that hearing from God is our good portion. We have to believe that the most significant opportunity we have in front of us each day is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because we won't get rid of our crazy busyness unless we do. Unless Jesus is the one in our life, we won't rearrange our priorities. Father God, we thank you for being with us this morning. We thank you that you are always with us. Father, we thank you that you teach us from your word. We are thankful that we get to gather together as a church family to look to you, to celebrate the good news of Jesus. God, we admit to you this morning that we are crazy busy. We admit to you that our hearts are troubled and anxious by many things. And so, Father, would you teach us how to sit at your feet? Would you teach us to slow down and see you as the best portion. God, we, we want to chase after other things. We, we, we've got a lot distracting us. We've got good things on our plate. We've got unnecessary things on our plate. Lord, would you teach us what you want us to do? How we can best honor you. How we can best live for you. Teach us to hear from you by studying your word. Would you help us add that to the rhythm of our life? opening your word, learning to read it, learning to hear from you. Father, we love you. We need you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.